80 Years Later, Retracing the Real Life of Bonnie and Clyde by Cameron Maynard from Atlas Obscura. I'm Mike Delgadio. Made into legends through books, comics, movies, songs, and TV specials, Bonnie and Clyde have lived on nearly 80 years after their deaths as a Depression-era Romeo and Juliet. Brandishing high-powered machine guns and driving the newly invented Ford V8s, Bonnie and Clyde are mythologized as Robin Hoods for the poor and destitute who had been failed by the American political and financial institutions. But what is the real story behind Bonnie, a girl from Cement City, Texas, a small industrial town three miles west of Dallas, and Clyde, a young man of five foot six with dark, wavy hair and tattoos on his arms that included a heart dagger and the letters USN from a failed attempt to enter the Navy as a teenager? Growing up in Dallas in the back room of his father's filling station, Clyde's first brush with the law came in 1926, when he was arrested for automobile theft as a result of neglecting to return a rental car. While these charges were dropped, Clyde was arrested again only three weeks later with his brother Buck, who would later initially refuse to join the Barrow Gang during the height of its notoriety, for possession of a truck full of stolen turkeys. By 1930, Clyde was incarcerated in the Eastham Prison Farm, a 14-year term for automobile theft and robbery. Known as the Murder House or the Bloody Ham, Eastham was notorious for its tough working and living conditions, as well as guards who would beat inmates with trace chains and perform random spot killings, all of which was substantiated by the Texas State Legislature and the Osborne Association on U.S. Prisons, which ranked the Texas prison system as the worst in the nation in 1935. During his time at Eastham, Clyde transformed from petty criminal to emotionless killer when he murdered Ed Crowder, a man who had been sexually assaulting him since he entered the prison. Clyde's drive in life wasn't to become a famous bank robber, as he is sometimes labeled. It was to take revenge on Eastham. It was here that he enlisted future gang member Ralph Fultz in a plan to raise enough money and ammunition to raid the prison farm and kill all the guards after his release. While at Eastham, Clyde went so far as to chop off two of his toes with an axe to secure a medical release from the grueling work. Ironically, six days later, on February 2, 1932, he was granted parole by Texas Governor Ross Sterling. What followed was a two-year stretch that saw the Barrow Gang rise into the national consciousness. The first bank heist occurred in April of 1932 at the First National Bank in Lawrence, Kansas. While the Barrow Gang is often thought of as prolific bank robbers, they mostly robbed mom-and-pop filling stations, feed, and hardware stores. After a failed robbery attempt and a shootout in Kaufman County, Texas, Clyde and an associate named Raymond Hamilton escaped, while Fultz and Bonnie Parker were jailed in a small one-room cell in Kemp, Texas. Fultz was transferred back to prison, but Bonnie spent only one night in jail and was released. Though injured and wounded several times by officers during her two-year run with Clyde, Bonnie never shot anyone but herself. In 1932, she accidentally grazed two of her toes when a weapon she was holding for Clyde discharged. There's actually no telling how many times they were wounded, says Boots Hinton, son of Dallas County Deputy Sheriff Ted Hinton, the youngest of six law enforcement officers who ambushed Bonnie and Clyde. Living in Gibsland, Louisiana, where he runs the Bonnie and Clyde Ambush Museum in the rundown town eight miles north of the actual ambush site, Boots insists it was an old-school method of detective work that brought the outlaws down. A prescription bottle in the floorboard of an abandoned car in Michigan, testimony from waitresses and store clerks, and major highways and back roads canvassed to catch the gang on the move. While the carnage the Barrow Gang left behind perpetuated an image of a murderous, bloodlusting gang, 
Their flight through the Midwest was anything but disorganized. If you were to drive from the Barrow filling station outward, you'd come across a string of markers and historical sites that are abandoned, rural, or aligning roads where the gang was fleeing from law enforcement. Not far west of the Barrow filling station is the abandoned shell of Bonnie's primary school in the defunct town of Cement City, now West Dallas. Through this community, Bonnie and Clyde drove in and out of town across the original Eagle Ford Road, known as the Devil's Back Porch, to visit family members while they were being hunted. Also, around the corner from the filling station is the small white house where Clyde gunned down Deputy Malcolm Davis as officers waited for the gang. Northwest of Dallas, Bonnie and Clyde were confronted on the side of the road by patrolman H.D. Murphy and Edward Wheeler, ensuing in a shootout that turned the tide of public opinion against them. The gang ran as far west as Wellington, Texas in the Panhandle and as far north as Michigan to avoid the law. They drove through ambushes, wrecked cars.